Al-Bayan Radio presents Prophetic Pearls, a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Nidal Ayyubi. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaykum brothers and sisters and welcome to another episode from our series on Al-Bayan Radio, Prophetic Pearls. A brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi, rahimuhullah. This is our third episode, and we have reached hadith number three regarding the pillars of Islam. Al-Hadith al-Thalith An Abi Abdul Rahman, Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhuma, qal, Samiatu Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, Buni al-Islam ala khams, Shahadati Allah ilaha illallah, وأن محمد رسول الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وحج البيت وصوم رمضان رواه البخاري ومسلم. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Islam has been built upon five pillars, testifying that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, establishing the salah, the prayer, paying the zakah, the obligatory charity, and making hajj pilgrimage to the house, and fasting Ramadan. This hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim. This hadith, my dear brothers and sisters, is of extreme importance because it lays down the fundamental aspects of outward submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this submission is based on some foundations and in a way is similar to a structure. If a person fulfills these aspects, he has laid down a solid ground or a solid foundation for his religion as a whole. The other acts of Islam are completions or finishing touches to this excellent foundation. However, if a person is lacking in any of these pillars, then the entire structure may be threatened, as we shall discuss in this lesson, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So this is some general comments on the hadith. Now, who is the narrator of this hadith? The narrator of this hadith is Abdullah ibn Umar bin al-Khattab radiyallahu anhumah. So Abdullah is the son of Umar, al-Farooq, the great companion. And Abdullah ibn Umar, it's mentioned that he was born 10 years before Hijrah, or 613 CE. And it's mentioned that he died 73 years after Hijrah, or 692 CE. He was the eldest son of Umar al-Farooq. He was one of the most outstanding young companions. He was one of the best of the younger generations of the Sahaba. And it's mentioned that he embraced Islam with his father. He was too young for the Battle of Badr, which took place in the second year after Hijrah. But he participated in all the battles of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, after that. And Abdullah bin Umar was an extremely pious man. And it's mentioned that he avoided all the political strife that took place during his time. He was a learned scholar. He was known for his piety and his strict imitation of the Sunnah. And his religious rulings and example had a great influence over the Medinan school of Imam Malik. And also, Abdullah ibn Umar was known to be one of the four Abadilah, or the four Abdullahs, who spread a great deal of knowledge in the early years of Islam. The other three being Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Amr, anhu, and Abdullah ibn Zubair, radiallahu anhu. He was also known to have tears in his eyes when he used to narrate the, the narrations of the Prophet wasallam. And he was one of the greatest narrators of hadith. It's mentioned that he narrated over 2,600 hadith. And he narrated the most hadith after Abu Hurairah And he had many, many students from the Salaf, such as Al-Hassan al-Basri, Al-Zuhri, Muhammad ibn Sirin, Nafi' and many others. 
And it's mentioned that near the end of his life, he lost his eyesight and he is considered to be the last of the companions to die in Mecca, radiyallahu anhu. So the first part of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, Bunyan islamu ala khams. The Islam is built upon five pillars. So what is Islam? The ulama that defined Islam, the definition of Islam, that it is to submit to Allah. Al-istislamu lillahi bit-tawheedi. Submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with tawheed by worshipping Him alone, meaning by only worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal-inkiyadu lahu bit-ta'ati. And to surrender obediently to him And to free oneself from shirk and its followers So this is a definition of Islam Which Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and others have given And if you look into the Arabic dictionaries You'll see some other definitions of Islam Such as Islam means submission Humbling oneself and obeying commands and heeding prohibitions without objection, sincerely worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, believing what he tells us and having faith in him. And we know Islam is the name of the religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah says, This day, I have perfected your religion for you, completed my favor upon you, and I have chosen for you Islam as your religion. So Islam is both belief and laws, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have told us about. In what is halal, what is haram, morals and good manners, acts of worship, how to interact with people, rights and duties. And also Islam is about the next life as well. Death, grave, resurrection, judgment, paradise, hell. And we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we just mentioned completed his religion. Islam my dear brothers and sisters is a complete way of life for all times. For all times. Because Allah chose it to be the way of life for all mankind until the hour begins. And no other deen will be accepted of anybody after the coming of Muhammad wasallam. As many verses and hadith mention, Islam, my dear brothers and sisters, has pillars. And these five pillars are the foundation and basic principles upon which the religion of Islam is built and made apparent. So what are these five pillars? The Prophet tells us they are five. Bunyal Islam ala khams. Shahadati an la ilaha illallah The first one being the shahada or the shahadatain The twin testimony of faith Meaning shahadati an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan rasulallah It is to bear witness that there is no one, no deity, no God worthy of worship except Allah alone And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah So what's the shahada very briefly? The shahada, my dear brothers and sisters, this means that we deny, reject, nafi in Arabic, that anything has a right to be worshipped. Then we affirm, ithbat, illallah except Allah, that only Allah has a right to be worshipped. So it's it's made up of two forms or two parts, and nafi wal ithbat, denying and affirming, rejecting and affirming and believing. We reject that anything or anyone has a right to be worshipped, and then we affirm that Allah is the only one deserving of our worship. All worship is for Allah alone. So we must believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone is the Lord. He's the controller, he's the creator, he's the provider. And we must believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the most beautiful names and most beautiful attributes that he has affirmed for himself or that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam affirmed for him. We believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one deserving of our worship. 
Therefore, the greatest thing, the greatest thing we can do is to worship Allah alone. And the worst thing we can do is to associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the greatest and that's the worst. To worship Allah alone, that's the greatest thing. To associate partners with Allah, that is the worst thing. Shirk, association of partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah is the only one deserving to be worshipped. La ilaha illallah. So what about Muhammad Rasulullah? What about وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So what does it mean to bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? Is it just talk? Is it just to say I love him? وسلم, as we should love him? What is it? It is to obey him, my dear brothers and sisters. It's to obey him in whatever he commands. And to believe and testify to the truth of everything he informs of. And to avoid whatever he forbade and prohibited. And that you worship Allah only in the way which he came with, which he وسلم, prescribed. This is the one who truly bears witness that Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah. It is to obey him in whatever he commands. To believe and testify to the truth of everything he informs of. And to avoid whatever he forbade and prohibited. And that you worship Allah only in the way which he worshipped him. Only in the way which he prescribed sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We must believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and revealed to him the Quran and commanded him to convey this religion to all of mankind. We must believe that loving Allah and his messenger and obeying them are duties which are obligatory upon us my dear brothers and sisters. And all of mankind in general. And that loving Allah, truly loving Allah can only be realized by following his messenger Muhammad sallallahu Allah says Muhammad meaning Sa'a Muhammad to mankind if you really love Allah then follow me, accept Islam, follow the Quran and the Sunnah. What will happen when you follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Truly, Allah will love you. Not only that, he will forgive you of your sins. And Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. So this very briefly is the Shahadatain. And the Shahada has conditions which we have addressed in other episodes on Al-Bayan Radio. The second pillar is a salah or prayer. We must believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated for us five daily prayers and it is a must for every adult sane muslim to pray these five prayers to pray them in a state of purity in a state of humility thanking his lord for his blessings asking him for his bounty seeking his forgiveness and asking him for paradise and seeking refuge from the fire and we know prayer whether it is the obligatory prayers the five daily prayers Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib and Isha or the non-obligatory or the voluntary prayers they both represent a sincere turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's like you're turning to Allah in these prayers asking Allah's help seeking his blessing and we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us in the Quran to guard our prayers he says guard strictly the five obligatory salawat the prayers and especially the middle salah meaning the asr prayer and stand before allah with obedience and we know that the five daily prayers are obligatory upon every man and woman allah says verily prayer verily as salah the prayer is enjoined on the believers at fixed hours and we know that the five daily prayers they are a means of purification they are a means of having your sins wiped away 
Prophet ﷺ said, Do you think that if there was a river at the door of any one of you and he were to bathe in it five times each day, would there be any dirt left on him? They said, No dirt would be left on him at all. He said, That is the likeness of the five daily prayers by means of which Allah erases sin. And when a prayer brings the abd, brings the slave, brings the servant closer to his Lord. And we know that it was the delight of the eye for the Prophet ﷺ. It's where he truly relaxed, where he truly felt joy. Whenever any matter grieved him, he would turn to the prayer and converse with his Lord and call upon him, seeking his forgiveness and asking him of his bounty. Today, many of us don't look forward to the prayers. We see it as a burden, but the Prophet ﷺ could not wait for the prayer. He would tell Bilal, anhu, the Mu'addin, the one who calls the Adan to the prayer, make the call, the Adan to the prayer. So this prayer will be like a relaxation for us, a coolness to the eye, as it was narrated. He loved the prayer. He loved the five daily prayers. He loved praying in the masjid. He loved standing before Allah. So the question is, what about us? Do we love standing before Allah? Do we love praying to Allah? Do we love fulfilling our five daily prayers? Do we look forward to the prayer? Or do we see it as a burden, something we just have to get off our neck? We have to love the prayer. Because Allah loves the prayer. The greatest action, my dear brothers and sisters, after Iman, after belief, after Tawheed, is the Salat, is the five daily prayers. And we know that prayer done with proper humility and fear brings the Muslim closer to his Lord, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and keeps him away from doing evil. So when we set our prayers aright, when we establish our prayers correctly, this will help us do more good and keep us away from evil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Verily, as-salah, the prayer, prevents from what? Al-fahshah, meaning great sins of every kind, such as unlawful sexual intercourse. And what else is that the prayer keep you away from? Wal-munkar. And munkar is all types of wrong, especially disbelief and every kind of evil deed in general. So establishing the prayer keeps us away from great sins and every kind of wicked deed. Now we have to pray the prayer correctly and establish the prayer correctly. And we cannot establish the prayer correctly. We cannot pray in the correct manner unless we pray like the Prophet ﷺ prayed. He is our example. And he said ﷺ, pray in the manner that you have seen me praying. And this is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari. The prayer is so important that it will be the first action we'll be asked about on the Day of Judgment. Prophet ﷺ, he says, the first thing about which the people will be called to account out of their actions on the day of judgment is the prayer. Our Lord, the exalted, will say to the angels, though he knows better, look into the prayer of my servant and see whether he has offered it perfectly or imperfectly. If it is perfect, that will be recorded perfect. If it is defective, he will say, see the optional prayers offered by my servant. If they are optional prayers to his credit, he will say, compensate the obligatory prayer by the optional prayer of my servant. Then all the actions will be considered in a similar fashion. Meaning, looking at the obligatory first and then the optional, the voluntary. This should motivate us to take care of our prayers, establish our prayers on time, treat our prayers seriously. So our prayers must be performed in the most perfect manner, by completing the wudu in the most perfect way, according to the way of the Prophet ﷺ, and for the male to pray in jama'ah in the masjid. So this is what we should be doing, praying our prayers in the best possible way. This is very briefly the second pillar of Islam. 
the prayers. Now moving on to the third pillar which is mentioned in this hadith where the Prophet ﷺ says is zakah, and that is the zakah, the obligatory charity. So we have to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created people with different colors, attitudes and levels of knowledge. So to their deeds and provision vary. So he made some people rich, some poor. This is to test the rich to see if they show gratitude and to test the poor to see if they show patience. And the believers being one brotherhood and brotherhood being based upon compassion, kindness, love and mercy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined zakah, has obligated zakah upon those who meet the criteria as mentioned in Islam so they can give it to the category who deserves it, such as the poor and needy. As mentioned in Surah At-Tawbah, the eight categories of those who receive zakah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Take sadaqah, charity, from their wealth in order to purify them and sanctify them with it and evoke Allah for them. Verily your invocations are a source of security for them. Now, zakah, my dear brothers and sisters, purifies and cleanses wealth. And zakah purifies the soul from stinginess. And zakah strengthens the love between the rich and the poor. Takes away hatred, makes security prevail in the community and brings happiness to the ummah. So zakah is one of the greatest pillars of Islam. In many verses in the Quran, it is coupled with salah. Allah says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ zakah And perform salah and give zakah. So this shows the importance of zakah. And withholding zakah brings about a disaster upon the ummah and also a painful torment for those who withhold it as has been mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah we seek Allah's protection. The fourth pillar is wahajj al-bayt to perform the pilgrimage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca, to the house, the Kaaba, is a duty that mankind owes to Allah for those who can afford the expenses. And whoever disbelieves, meaning denies Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca, then he is a disbeliever of Allah. Then Allah stands not in need of any of the alameen of all mankind, jinn, and all that exists. So Hajj is a duty upon the Muslim who is able to go. It is a must upon him to go. And obviously there are a few more conditions which the ulama have mentioned. Hajj is an obligation upon the Muslim at least once in his lifetime. Hajj, my dear brothers and sisters, is an occasion on which the unity of the Muslims, their strength and pride are made manifest. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our Lord. He is one. Our book is one. The Quran, the message is one. The Ummah is one. The worship of Allah is one. And their clothing is one. Hajj, the man wears the white garment. His ihram, it's, it's white. Everyone's dressed the same. Everyone is equal. There's no difference there between the rich and the old, or this nationality, that nationality, this color, or that color, everyone is equal. And this should remind us about the day of judgment, when we should stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for judgment. And we know Hajj should be performed according to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, who told us to take the Hajj rights from him, just as we should pray like him. And Hajj brings about a great reward, a great reward. Allah has given the one who fulfills the Hajj correctly a great reward. The Prophet ﷺ, he says in a hadith found in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim, "Man lillahi falam yarfuth, walam Whoever performs Hajj for the sake of Allah 
and does not commit any lewdness or sins, returns like the day in which his mother gave birth to him without any sin. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. And also the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Al-umratu ila al-umrati kaffaratun lima baynahuma wal-hajjul mabroor laysa lahu jazaun illa al-jannah. One umrah until the next umrah is an atonement for what is between them from sins. And the hajj that is accepted by Allah, al-hajjul mabroor, and the hajj that is accepted by Allah and performed properly has no reward other than paradise. And this hadith is also found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim. And Hajj is a calling. Hajj is a chance for purification. Hajj, my dear brothers and sisters, should be fulfilled as soon as one is able to do so, physically, financially. Don't delay the Hajj. Perform the Hajj as soon as you can, so as to attain this great reward of having your sins forgiven and attaining paradise, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. And the final pillar is fasting Ramadan. Now we know fasting means abstaining from things. Asiyah means to abstain. Al-imsaq in Arabic. It's to abstain from things which break the fast, such as food, drink, and having relations with one's wife, or intercourse with one's wife, from Fajr until Maghrib. And obviously there must be an intention of worship there for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fasting is one of the greatest pillars of Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting an obligation on the Muslims when he said, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِّنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْ the month of Ramadan in which was revealed the Qur'an, a guidance for mankind and clear proofs for the guidance and the criterion between right and wrong. So whoever of you cites the crescent on the first night of the month of Ramadan, he must observe sawm, meaning fast, the month. And we also know that Allah has said, يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون. أيها believe observing fasting or psalm is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you so that you may become of those who are pious and we know that the month of ramadan is the month of the quran and also it contains the great night laylatul qadr which is better than a thousand months of worship and we know in ramadan the gates of jannah are open and the gates of hell are shut and the rebellious shayateen are tied up and we know in Ramadan, it's a time to have your sins wiped away. As the Prophet ﷺ said, Ramadan to the next Ramadan wipes away the sins committed between it as long as the major sins are avoided. And we know the Prophet ﷺ said, Man sama Ramadana imanan wahtisaban ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min dhambi. Whoever fasts Ramadan with faith and seeking reward, he will be forgiven for his previous sins. And we know the Prophet ﷺ said, Every action of the son of Adam is multiplied. Each good deed receiving tenfold to seven hundredfold reward. Allah said, Except for fasting, for it is done for me, now I will give a reward for it. For he gives up his desire and food for my sake. This narration is found in Sahih Muslim and the other hadith are also found in Sahih Bukhari or Muslim. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is all we have time for today. This is a very brief explanation of the pillars of Islam. So we have to take from this that Islam is indeed built upon five pillars and that is to bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship except Allah alone and that Muhammad wasallam is his messenger, is his slave and messenger and to establish the prayer, to give the zakah, to perform the hajj if one is able to do so and to fast Ramadan. So we must strive to fulfill these 
pillars with utmost care, concern, and we must give these deeds priority in our lives. So we should try to perfect these pillars of Islam. Wallahu a'lam.